Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrel pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. So our listeners might have expected us to have put out an episode a little quicker in response to biggest news in that's been rocking the baseball world but to that i say we just need a little bit of time to think about how we wanted to approach this story what we wanted to talk about what angle we wanted to come at it from and this story of course i'm talking about is the fact that yasiel puig is apparently a fan of the bachelor and (laughs) tweeted out a picture of him jumping over a fence similar to i guess the guy that in the bachelor the bachelor himself colton the only reason I even know the name the, the name of the bachelor is because of my coworkers. So don't fault me for this. I know you're a longtime noted hater of the bachelor. <laughs> but I promised on Twitter that we would talk about this and share our takes. And I asked everyone to respect our privacy in the interim. So here we are, live on the podcast. How do you feel about this picture of Yasiel Puig jumping over a fence? Naked. Well, I might yeah, I was just about to it. say, you, you excluded probably the most important part of that, uh, which is that he is butt naked. And when I say, when I say butt naked, I mean like that's, it's just yelling at you, you know, it's yep. right, it's right there. And, uh, I, I mean, I've, I feel things. I'm looking at it right now. And, uh, I don't, I, you know, I think it's probably going to take me a few years to really process this and what this means for me going forward. Um, but right now, I'll, all I really want to say is that I love him to the end of the world. And uh, and yeah, that's really all I got. What about you, Bobby? What are your takes on this? My takes on this are that instead of having a take, I went back and did some research because I'm <laughs> a fucking Christ. professional. And I don't even remember this photo from when it initially came out. Like. I remember him being in the body issue, but I I don't remember this photo specifically. So I'm on DodgersDigest.com. And uh, this is from the the June 2018 issue of ESPN, the body issue. I guess it's only once a year, so just the 2018. And here's this quote from Puig. I just want you to hear. I'm just going to read it. I'm not going to preempt it. I'm just going to read it. You cannot feel bad or embarrassed for the body you have. It doesn't matter what type of body you have, what race you are. If you're a man, woman, gay, if your friends or your husband or wife love you, that is most important. You only have one life, so it doesn't matter how you look. Oh my god. Wow. I'm you getting know, that I'm getting that tattooed on me. <laughs> I like the line if you are a man, woman, gay. <laughs> like, those are like the three genders. <laughs> the three, <laughs> Oh, man. I just I had to share that quote with you because you're in the top 1% of people who would care about that. And this is like right up our alley. So starting off with Yasiel Puig and the body issue from a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> this is the uh, this is the content that we need. We are going to get to Bryce Harper eventually, but we had to start with our woke king, Yasiel Puig. But before we talk about the Phillies new 13-year, $330 million man, I am Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Baisley, Yasiel Puig Stan for life. And this is Tipping Pitches. Tipping Pitches.
Bryce Harper signed the deal. He did it. He's on a team and he's going to play baseball on that team that plays baseball. And there were some takes. Alex, do you want to add to the deluge of takes? So if any of you, Bobby, our listeners have been tuned in to uh, the, the world of politics, I'm going to take <laughs> Jeez, a bit of a detour I'm here. very curious as to where this is going. I yeah. promise you I'm going to bring it right back. You know what they always say is talk uh, about politics on your sports shows. That's many people have said that to me. Yes, exactly. They say stray from sports, actually. Yeah. When I when I read the reviews of the podcast that I produce, it's always like not enough politics. <laughs> <laughs> um you may have heard something about uh the Green New Deal, which is a uh, a proposed overhaul of our our climate system, basically, in order to to save humanity. I already and, hate where this is going. <laughs> and what that deal suggests is that we basically have 12 years, 12 years to save ourselves from the most extreme effects of climate change. Otherwise, we're fucked. But I'm not trying to say that we're dying. What I'm trying to tell you is that Bryce Harper is quite literally going to be a Philly until the end of the world. <laughs> wow, I'm impressed with you. You took that in a better direction than I thought you were when you said the Green New Deal. When you said <laughs> that, I thought you were going to say like, well, more like Bryce Harper just signed the Green New Deal because <laughs> money. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I deserve that. That's the brand that I've cultivated. I mean, it's more than just the brand. That's who you are. I think that you probably thought that at some point before you came around to this. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, Bryce Harper, a freaking Philly. He did the thing. Incredible. I'm so I'm so proud of him for for getting paid. Uh, he went to the city of brotherly love. He has spent the last week, week and a half, just sucking up to the fan base, and I love it. I am here for it. He is looking cut that beard is looking nice and trimmed and ready to go for the baseball season blind barber and did him right blind barber they got did him ready him to go so right yeah if you're in new york go to blind barber <laughs> they don't even sponsor the podcast but they do sponsor the podcast yeah exactly they don't know it yet but they will they will they I mean, yeah you just have to speak it into existence yeah exactly bobby what are your takes uh especially as a as a mets fan a noted mets fan bryce harper stays in the division what do you think yeah, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about all the stuff that you named, sucking up to Philly, all these different things, the money, the length, all that stuff. But before I do that, I just want to say, you went full Benedict Arnold on me, tweeting support of a Phillies player from the Tipping <laughs> Pitches account. You broke the law. The law wow. of co-baseball podcast host friendship. Oh, you're, mm, that was in Amendment 4B. You are right about that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually I'm sorry. I'm surprised you didn't make an amendment six clause nine joke or something. <laughs> uh, it's fine. I can overlook it. He does. He's, he looks good. I mean, he looks good in pinstripes. This is what people have been saying for a really long time. Oh wait, no, that was supposed to be about the Yankees. Woo, had to get it in there. <laughs> nice, nicely done. Yeah, this is this is great. Everyone who didn't sign him is stupid. All other 29 teams are dumb. Except yep. the Padres, who gave $300 million to someone else this offseason and probably still could have also signed him, but I feel like I can give him a pass here. Yeah, we'll, we'll give him a pass. You got Manny. It's good. They don't need to spend like the mid-90s Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love if you did. That'd be awesome. I would, 
I would become a Padres fan. Like I would Side renounce note. I'd renounce my Twins fandom and become a Padres fan. Side note, I was uh looking into uh, what Padres games I'm going to go to this year. I'm it's going to be sick. I'm pumped. Hell yeah. It's only like a 2-hour drive for me. Oh, that's actually not that bad. Have you ever been to that stadium? No, I haven't. It's that's... gorgeous. And you know, I, I want to go to all the stadiums, as do you, as do, does probably like every single 23-year-old boy <laughs> who like played baseball at any point in his life. <laughs> or didn't. Or, or, I mean, or, it's just... <laughs> or girl. Or girl. Or anyone. Yeah. Going to every baseball stadium should be a goal of every single just person in general. Yeah, yeah honestly. Um. Anyway. What were we even talking about? Bryce Harper? Yeah, something, I mean, like, the, something like that. I don't know. Craig Calcaterra wrote for NBC Sports. Craig Calcaterra, very smart writer. Very good on Twitter. We've talked about him a lot. He wrote just kind of like a breakdown, like a brief breakdown of the dollars per war and how this contract is, so long as Bryce Harper even maintains like even close to his average, which his average is already probably below what he projects to be because he's had a few down years for injury and... I'm talking about his average war, by the way. He's had a few down years for injury. He's had some bad, I don't just like weirdly bad, like defensive years where some of the numbers are like not totally believable. And then his defensive numbers last year, a lot of people think he was like sort of holding back because he didn't want to get hurt for the contract year, which is bad, but like it's now not a concern really because he's going to get paid for $27 million for the next 13 years or whatever. So if you believe that he'll like even project moderately as to what people expect him to be for the rest of this 13-year contract, then like the contract itself more than pays for itself in terms of baseball value. And that's not even factoring in all of the stuff that we learned in the past week, where in the 24 hours after Bryce Harper signed, he sold more jerseys than the Lakers sold for LeBron in the 24 hours after he signed. You know, there are obviously other factors in there with that. And I don't anticipate that in the aggregate at the end of 13 years, there will be more people with Bryce Harper jerseys than LeBron jerseys, or I guess in like the next four years while LeBron's still on the Lakers. It's clearly paying for itself already. And he is clearly carving out like a cove for himself in Philadelphia as like someone who wants to be there. He's sort of like hedged against those reports from earlier in the offseason where they were like, Bryce Harper doesn't really want to live in Philadelphia. Well, like now he has proven that he does. Yeah, he refused. He, he refused an opt out, right? Because he said that he wanted to just like commit to a city. He refused an opt out, and he has a no trade clause. Yeah. So like, he's not going anywhere unless he wants to. Yeah. Um. He really set himself up for failure if he <laughs> ends up waiving that no trade clause and requesting out of philadelphia because if he does that after all of the show he's made of wanting to be there he will be a pariah he will never be allowed if there's anything that i know is that he will never be allowed back in philadelphia fucking donovan McNabb is not allowed back in philadelphia and he was like the best quarterback in eagles history he never <laughs> even left the team i mean he did leave the team later in his career but you know just fact checking myself real real quick right there um what do you think of the clearly like targeted media effort that he's on right now to make himself seem like a Philly guy. I think it's better than the opposite. If I was a fan of the Phillies, I would eat that shit up. Apparently you are since you're just tweeting pro Philly stuff from the account. Yeah, that actually is how it works. I'm sorry. I don't know if I, if one of baseball's biggest stars had just signed with the A's and then came and started sucking up to the fan base and sucking up to the media and talking about how he loves Philly and how he wants to get the baseball's best player to come and play with us. Like I would 
be absolutely on board with that. I mean, clearly he's got like a motive, right? Like he wants the fans to like him. He wants to be seen as like that guy. But I, I'm, I'd be okay with that. If I was a fan, I'd be like, all right, you're that guy. You're here. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's do this. <laughs> I'm on board. Yeah. That's sort of the contract that you enter is like, you have to like your team's best player. Yeah. Although that's not really what Philadelphia fans do all the time. I will say that. Like if, if he, it's very easy for them to like embrace him with open arms now, but if he's like hitting like 228 in like May, like mid May, which is like, I don't know, like six weeks into the season. Yeah. They're going to be like, what the fuck are we paying this guy for? Like, yeah. <laughs> it'll turn really fast. Yeah. Go um, talk to Ryan Howard and see how that goes. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Although, you know, Ryan Howard really fell off a cliff <laughs> in a way that I, <laughs> I don't think that Bryce Harper can. He was like, I know, I know. He went, he went from being good to just being really bad. Yeah. Um, the holiday comment was cool where, Bryce wore number 34 in Washington, and that was Roy Halladay's number. He said that he won't request to wear that in Philadelphia. He'll be wearing number three, um, just to kind of honor Roy Halladay's memory and that he should be the last person to wear that number. Uh, that's cool. That was a cool thing to do. He know, he's definitely knows all the right buttons to press right now, um, talking about how he loves Philadelphia. It's a hardworking city. Like Philadelphia just... just I mean, they'll tell you they're just blue collar all the way. They just want to talk about that more than they actually want to be blue collar, <laughs> which is fine. Like, whatever. You do you. If you want to be Cleveland further east, that's fine. But <laughs> um, he's he's doing well. And right, that's like in keeping with who we know Bryce Harper to be. Like, he's always kind of cultivated his image. And like, the fact that he's sort of adjusted that image on the fly. I mean, I guess he had all off season to really think about it since he probably knew he was going to be a Philly. He was just waiting for them to like give the right offer so that Scott Boris could like win whatever competition he's made up in his brain. So like, he's had a lot of time to think about how he wants to cultivate this image, like what he wants to say and whatnot. But like one of the biggest critiques of Bryce Harper is that he's been more of an image than a player. And that's obviously not true. You can debunk that pretty quickly, but the like average uh, red ass baseball fan is sort of like Bryce is a pretty boy. He only cares about his hair and the blind barber stuff. Like even though people don't know about blind barber, it's just like he always has the hairstyle and he's always throwing it back dramatically. And he has the perfectly trimmed beard and his sort of flamboyant performance at the home run derby. Like he is an extremely cultivated image, and I I think that's good. Like I'm among the camp of people who thinks that that's what baseball kind of needs to do with more players. It doesn't always have to be as like all gentrification team as Bryce Harper, but I've never opposed that. And like the fact that I, we've seen him kind of adjust on the fly in just one week really is cool. It's sort of like verification for all the stuff that we talk about where baseball players can market themselves and they can mean something to a city and they can mean something to a team and signing guys who are good and, personality driven and all that stuff is actually good. Yeah. And frankly, like Bryce isn't that different as far as personality goes. And as far as like branding himself, Bryce isn't that different from Mike Trout. Like they both have flair and they both leave it all out on the field. I mean, Mike Trout <laughs> loves to talk about the weather. I think he's probably got that on Bryce. Yeah. But Bryce like, just likes to talk about it more. He likes to talk about himself more. 
Yeah, exactly. But it's not like Bryce is the most charismatic guy either. Like when you listen to him talk, he's kind of a dork. <laughs> but like he but like he still kind of exudes this charisma and this aura and you just kind of ignore it. And it's like when you don't have people yelling at you that baseball players are boring, then like all of a sudden you stop thinking that they're so boring. So I'm glad <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that like Bryce has kind of leaned into this and that he is going on this uh this media tour and leaning into the kind of big ticket franchise player that he always has been and always will be at this point. He's like Francisco Lindor with better PR is what he is. <laughs> yeah. And, and just like more and, of a uh, sports... not as good of a smile. Yeah, true. Not nearly as handsome, but that's yeah. a different conversation. Though Bryce is still pretty handsome. Yeah. Um, he just tries harder though. Bryce has like that sports center driven lore. Like he's been on, ESPN highlights since he was like 15 hitting home runs in the Marlins stadium at the like high school home run derby competition. There's that like LeBron aspect to him. Yeah. Like the savior of baseball because he came around at a time that baseball quote unquote needed saving. And I just don't think that you can manufacture that narrative for a guy that plays in Cleveland. But that being said, if you could put that guy in Philadelphia, which is, a great baseball market. I mean, I have been shit on by Phillies fans for literally my entire life. Like as far back as I can remember being a baseball fan, I've been shit on for being a Mets fan. But the fact that Philadelphia cares that much about the Phillies and truly like knows what they're talking about when it comes to baseball, like they've had enough good baseball in the last like 30 plus years that they care. I'm glad I'm glad that he's not, a Yankee <laughs> where like there would be some artificial like legacy that he's not living up to. And he's like, p- there would be the whole, like he's not worthy of being a Yankee storyline and he's not, he's not bigger than the Yankees and blah, 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 blah. As if we need to pretend that like the players aren't more important than like the, the team, like not necessarily like one individual is more important than like the team as a nebulous concept, but like as if the the players themselves aren't the things that make the teams good and interesting. Like the Yankees fans are so like, we don't care who you are. Just come here and bring us rings, bro. And it's like, all right, well, one player doesn't bring you rings. So when Bryce Harper comes and it takes six more years for you to win a title, don't freak out like you did with A-Rod. Like the Phillies fans are not going to be like that. They're at least going to be like, if he's good, he's our guy. And he's not the reason that we're losing. You know? Yeah. So Manny, Bryce, both have gone to somewhat upstart teams, teams that are on the come up, somewhat different stages of their rebuild stages. The Phillies slightly further ahead. They're ready to jump into contention. But both teams on the upswing, uh, who are you more excited to watch? Manny uh, in a Padres uniform or Bryce on the Phillies? I mean, I cannot answer this question in an unbiased manner. So <laughs> Manny on the Padres. I mean, the Padres have the best farm system in baseball. Yeah. They play in one of the prettiest parks in baseball. Yeah. They haven't been good in a really long time. They haven't really been great. Have they ever been ever. Good? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, they haven't won. I mean, the Phillies have won a World Series in my lifetime, like when I was like old enough to remember it, you know? So I'm more excited to like kind of watch that team potentially become a juggernaut 
um, over the next decade, which is crazy, the next 10 years. Like, God only knows how long this podcast will have been retired 10 years from now. Yeah. But um, I think Manny on the Padres, even if I'm trying to answer it unbiased, I still think Manny on the Padres. But yeah, I mean, it, it, they're both great. They're both great for baseball. I don't know how else to say it. Not to sound cliche, but it's it's good to have good players on good young teams. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's good to see teams spending money, frankly. And like both teams could have spent more, like right? Like like you said, like if you do the math and you like average it out in terms of like what Bryce is making on a yearly basis. It's not. And there was all this like conversation when the the contract broke, and it was like biggest contract in MLB history. Like whoa, like record breaking. And I feel like a lot of people like to use that as fodder of being like, see, like free agency isn't broken. Like our boy Tom Verducci, you know, um, people yeah, get to be like, see, like things. That- <laughs> I'm wondering where his can Bryce Harper lead the Young Phillies article is. <laughs> Because, I mean, he did have a young team in Washington, and they didn't make it to the playoffs last year. So has he proven that he can be a leader, Alex? That's that's You're, you're right about that one. I mean, think <laughs> about it. Juan Soto didn't even hit 50 home runs last year. Can Bryce Harper lead a young team? I don't think he can. I think he's a bad influence. I think you just have to be concerned about that personally. But that's just me. Uh, I would have... The, the Phillies should have spent, uh, you know, $400 million on Bryce Harper, and they could have done that. But, uh, you know, that's a conversation for a later date. Although we did want to mention, before we move on from the Bryce stuff, there was news that broke that the Angels were uh, considering offering Mike Trout an extension for 10 years and 300... (laughs) I can't say it without laughing. $350 million. Yeah. No, I didn't say billion with a B. I said million. Yeah, that's that's the kind of offer where you don't even get a second chance. Like if you're playing <laughs> yeah, like right. like if you're playing like 2K and you offer that to a guy that's that good, or like 2K or MLB the show or whatever, you even get that pop-up message from their agent and it's like Mike Trout is offended by this offer. He won't be negotiating <laughs> with you anymore. It's like even video games can figure that out, even AI. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of thing where, like, in the meeting, you're Snapchatting it to Bryce Harper and being like, LOL, like, <laughs> look at this. Like, they think I'm not coming to play with you next. Like, come on, bro. <laughs> I mean, 10 years, 350 for Mike Trout is, like, uh, there is a case to be made. I mean, there's not a case to be made. There's a case that has been made, and it's just been said over and over again by Jeff Sullivan, who we no longer get to hear about baseball from. Um, it's just been said over and over again that, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado combined equals Mike Trout. (laughs) So, like, the starting point is, like, what, 11 years, 700 million? (laughs) Um, I would go 11 years, give him the franchise. Pretty much. I mean, like, just sign away the franchise. But, like, actually, players should have a stake in their team. But, you know, conversation for another day. But if anyone should own their team, it's probably Mike Trout because he's basically carrying the load anyway. The thing about the Angels is that, what's that? You know that phrase, don't look a gift horse in the mouth, Alex? I do, yeah. I think that it applies here in the sense that the Angels were literally gifted. I mean, they drafted him, so like they, I suppose they weren't gifted him. But it, they turned out to be lucky that he's just the greatest baseball player to literally ever live. The second thing that they lucked into 
was that he just weirdly likes living in, in Orange County. I guess it's not that weird. If you're really rich, it's probably great to live in Orange County. But for the rest of us, it's fucking terrible to get to. It's terrible to leave. It's boring. It's like suburban. There's just strip malls. You can only eat at like P.F. Chang's or In-N-Out. Yeah, but this, dude's, just... this dude's from Jersey. Like, of course he <laughs> loves this. <laughs> exactly. Orange County is the, the Jersey of California. <laughs> you heard it here first. They were gifted again in the sense that he decided to sign a team-friendly extension because I guess he just didn't feel like moving. He just likes playing baseball and he just felt like, well, I'm already playing baseball here, so I might as well just keep playing baseball here. It's just like the it's like Newton's second law except for Mike Trout and the Angels. And now they're taking that all for granted and they're going to offer him 10 years, $350 million when he already took a bargain. He already showed up on your doorstep and you were you lucked into the fact that he's the greatest baseball player of all time. And when it comes to trying to keep him around, you're going to offer him 10 years 350 when Bryce Harper just got 13 330 and we all know that Mike Trout is like twice as good as Bryce Harper. He already put up the best rookie year in baseball history for $500,000. $500,000. That's all you had to pay him to do that. Like I don't I don't want to get onto another rant about like pay players what they're worth, but like y'all, just pay players what they're worth. Like yep. it's fine. You have Shohei Otani for pennies too, right? Like yeah, you you're can, just like you killing can afford the international market. Like, yeah. Come on. Come on. Don't don't get cute here. Just just give Mike Trout what he's worth and move on with your lives. All this this whole conversation that we just got devolved into it took us 40 minutes to say five minutes on a podcast because we kept fucking up and coming out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this all started just because Bryce Harper's trying to tamper with Mike Trout, which we didn't even fully explain. He <laughs> he said in an interview that he will be calling Mike Trout in 2020 to try to get him to join him in Philadelphia because Mike Trout, noted New Jerseyan, is a huge Philadelphia sports fan. He's a huge Sixers fan. He's a huge Eagles fan. You have to assume he grew up a huge Phillies fan. And many people feel that he will want to return to the Philadelphia area at some point in his life. Why not do it now? Why not play on a team with Bryce Harper? Why not go to every Eagles game every Sunday? Like, it's just almost too perfect. And this is how the Angels are going to try to stop him from doing it. It's just not great, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I hope that was an adequate way of just digesting the Bryce Harper news one week after it actually happened. work recently i've been going back in the archives going back in the vaults and watching some some old baseball watching some old baseball games some old highlights some old clips and while i was watching i was thinking about how you know i've seen so many hardwood classic games on nba tv and i've watched so many of them like i've watched entire finals series from the 90s like multiple years and i just have never done that with baseball Like, I know what happened, and I've seen, like, the highlight plays and stuff, but, like, I haven't watched, like, the 1993 World Series, like, all of the games. I super was not alive yet, and I've never either, one, made the effort, 
or too like just been presented with an opportunity to like go back and watch all those games. So it like, got me wondering, is baseball as rewatchable as other sports when you know what the outcome is going to be? And if so, why? And if not, why? And I guess just really like, have you gone back and watched like old full games and stuff? Yeah, I think that that's, that's an interesting question. And you raise good points about uh, baseball. It's so different because it is half of it's about the, that atmosphere, right? And like the sense of kind of anticipation that, that rises throughout the game. And you know that like you're, you're leading up to some sort of like pivotal moment. It's not back and forth, uh, all game and it's not like you're going to have like uh, like a dope dunk or a, a cool step back like every few minutes or anything like that and plays that are going to yeah. make you like get up out of your chair it's like it's very much a slow burn obviously and i think that i don't i i think that it probably different people might do it for different reasons me personally i don't necessarily go back and watch I haven't watched many games that like I had no connection to like like you like I haven't gone back and watched like old world series games or serieses I probably should have and I've familiarized myself with like the A's titles um I have no reason to go back and watch like who knows when like the the 1982 World Series or something like that like I have no personal emotional connection to that however I vividly remember as a kid having VHS, um, like we would tape A's games and uh-huh. we had them on VHS. And so like, I remember games from like 2002 and 2003 that we would walk, we would watch, like I would watch those things religiously. Like I can vividly remember watching Adam Melhew's, uh walk it off over the <laughs> <laughs> like the uh, Texas Rangers in 2003, 2003. <laughs> um, the facts don't matter. Were, it's just about what yeah, you remember. The facts don't matter. Yeah, it's about what you remember. But I remember him like jumping around the bases and it was, you know, they were in this race for the AL West and it was yeah. exciting. And like, I had this like personal connection to that thing. And so like, for me, like those are the things that I'm most drawn to when I want to rewatch something because it's not so much about like every single little moment, like giving me a burst of joy. It's kind of more like this, this aura that washes over you and, and brings you back to like, like a place where you, you were before where like things, things were good and happy. Yeah. And, and like, I find myself, okay, here, here's where, here's what I was thinking about a few things. I have some, a few reactions. First of all, this is a facts adjacent podcast. So it doesn't matter if we misremember something or say a wrong team for a wrong year. Just like we have baseball reference. Just just get off your high horse, bro. Not everyone has to remember every single fact about the 1985 World Series. Second of all, beyond the fact that this is fact adjacent, is that the cadence of a baseball game is like a really relaxing thing for me. And just like getting into that feeling again is like a really satisfying thing. And I've been experiencing this with spring training and and I know you have as well, is that we've been getting back into the swing of watching baseball, what it feels like to have two games on your laptop and one game on the TV and be tweeting from the tipping pitches account. Like all that stuff at at once is like such a satisfying feeling and knowing that you don't really have to be paying like really close attention to all the games at all times. And just, you know, knowing that like 
a pitch just outside, like doesn't really matter, but like you hear all the sounds and feel all the feels like you said, but like rewatching a game, like rewatching a good game is probably better than watching a spring training game. Right. So when I'm yearning for baseball in like the middle of December, why am I not just going back and watching like Mets classics? Like I would rewatch Mets classics from time to time on SNY because they do show it like similar to hardwood classics and whatnot. But like, those would only be like relevant games to me. Like you were talking about, like I I don't go back. I've watched the 93 NBA finals like multiple times and I just don't really do that for baseball. And then thirdly, this is almost like an anthropological exercise. Like having these games on video, it's like cataloging. It's like history. Cause I was recently watching the 2011 world series and like, it's just completely different. Like baseball looks, feels, everything about it is like very different and it's weird. And I just think that like, I feel like I would get a lot of satisfaction out of doing that from era to era. So almost like picking a game in each era and like watching them successively and like seeing what changes, what looks different, what looks the same, like recreating the experience of being like a 50 year baseball fan. I feel like we could definitely do because MLB posts a lot of their full games on YouTube. I don't know what it is about baseball that I don't go back and rewatch it in that way. Maybe just because there's just so much of it during the year that like, I don't need to like, there's 162 of my team's games and most of them are miserable. (laughs) I think it is part of it is just like a very, it's a very in the moment sport, right? Like you kind of like if it's a world series game or a playoff game or something like that, like it's most enjoyable, I think personally. And you know, like I said, like this differs for every person. Um, I think it's most enjoyable in the moment. And that's not to say that like, I don't think you can go back and rewatch it. I just think it's different from uh, like a sport like basketball or football or hockey um, in that way, just because it is so much slower paced. And so, I mean, that's why like I will, I have, in uh, the off season or on an, on a day when I'm particularly missing baseball or something like that, I might just like go flip open my laptop and turn to like a middle of July meaningless A's game just so that like I can have a broadcast on in the background and it feels like summer again and I don't have to be paying attention to it and and yeah. I can do other things and it's kind of nice to just like have that in the air around you and it's hard to like lock in for three hours for a game where you kind of already know the outcome. And you also know that it's, it's going to go a lot slower. Like when you know what's going to happen, like there's going to be a lot of downtime for you, right. Where you don't necessarily just want to plop down on the couch. Uh, But at the same time, I'm already just, I'm rewatching star Wars already so like might as well just go rewatch a baseball game instead in those two and a half hours like what's the difference really i know that the jedi are gonna win like (laughs) yeah that's i mean yeah it's really true that like building tension is a big part of baseball but building tension is like really big part of other sports too but i think just like the tension relief in baseball is like not always really that satisfying of an aesthetic aspect It's satisfying in the moment while you're watching it. And I think this is one of the biggest arguments for baseball as a viewership experience is that like 
baseball has this weird, like, uncanny ability to transform a single up the middle into, like, the most exciting 10 seconds of your life. Yeah. When really, if you were watching batting practice and someone hit a single up the middle, you'd be like, I would have rather just blinked and not seen this. Like, it's literally just the ball dribbling on the ground. Like, I don't know what, that's not LeBron shooting a fadeaway. That's not, you know, Michael Jordan dunking from the free throw line. That's not, like a Hail Mary pass from Aaron Rodgers. Like all of that stuff objectively is more athletically, aesthetically impressive. But like the fact that baseball can transform like a slow roller into like the most consequential 10 seconds of your sports fandom ever, I think is why like I love the sport so much. And on rewatch, like it's just not, it's not quite as entertaining because you know that that happened. Yeah, but, you you know David Fries is going to hit the home run. Like like you know uh, that that's going over the fence, and he's going to touch home plate, and they're going to win, and we will see you tomorrow night, and like all that good stuff. Yeah, although I will say though, like I've watched so much baseball that though I did remember the David Fries home run, though I remembered the like dropped pop up, I didn't remember like the Lance Berkman home run in the in the mm-hmm. second inning. I didn't remember the the Josh Hamilton home run while he's at the peak of his powers and like going back and like trying to bring myself back into that mindset is really cool. Like it felt really cool to be like, Oh, there was a time in my life where like, if my team is playing against Albert Pujols, like walk this guy every time in 2018 or 2019, that seems so ridiculous because he was like literally worth negative war for the last two years. But I think there is some value there. And also like if it's, if it's a game where you can't have that nostalgia, like if it's a game before you were alive, well, then you literally have never seen a lot of these plays. So it is almost like still surprising to you, still has twists yeah. and turns to you. So I, I don't know. Long story short, I'm just going to be rewatching more baseball games. You you mentioned that, you know, you had forgotten some of these like smaller details um, aside from like the, you know, the big iconic plays from this series. And, you know, I was... Uh, I like was Googling around about like David Freeze and that uh, and that World Series, and I clicked on an article from the Fort Worth Star Telegram about it was like a retrospective on, on Game Six, and at the top of the article is a quote from David Freeze who says, "That's one of the greatest things about sports. Good or unfortunate, people don't forget." And I'm like, <laughs> David, nah, you, have, you, have, you have too much faith in us. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, well, YouTube doesn't forget, for sure. True. Dude, go back and watch Game 6 of the 2011 World Series. I mean, I hate it because I hate the Cardinals, but it's just like wild shit, man. Managers are leaving in starters into the sixth inning, like third time through the order, like giving up four-pitch walks and the starter is still in. I'm like, damn, what were we doing? Yeah, well, and you get to watch... But you get to watch like Albert Pujols be good again, right? Like that's like part of the the fun of it is like like we're in, you know, Albert Pujols is putting up like, you know, historically bad seasons and it's like hard to watch him literally do anything other than walk these days. But when he was on the Cardinals, man alive, was he just a wonder to watch. Let's embark on a project where we rewatch a, the most consequential baseball game of every decade and decide which game was the most fun. All right, I'm done. And right, then cool. after after that, we'll go and watch the most inconsequential game of <laughs> each decade 
Uh, and I think that'll be a lot more fun. Don't you want to watch Twins Tigers from 1994? Uh, I actually when, do. When they were vying it would only for take the... Like, <laughs> it would only take like an hour and 54 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> We have to talk about some uncomfortable news, uh, as we are wont to do on this podcast. Once we've gotten all the silly, stupid shit out of the way, uh, we also like to talk serious things from time to time. And uh, and this time, it's men being stupid assholes. Uh, this which time? Is, yeah, this time. <laughs> like all the other times. Yeah. Uh, so... Recently, a video surfaced of San Francisco Giants CEO, Larry Bear, getting into an altercation of sorts with his wife. Um, the, the video was posted on TMZ. It's, uh, it's, it's not a good watch. The, the gist of it is supposedly like she had his phone or something like that. And then, and then all of a sudden he lunges and he like kind of drags her to the ground. And then, and then it's over as soon as it started and they, you know, walk away. Um, it's, it all takes place over the matter of a few seconds, but it's a really kind of horrifying thing to watch. Um, especially given all the stuff that we tend to talk about on this podcast in very abstract terms, um, but it's especially horrifying to watch given the amount of power that this man wields and knowing that he literally is the part owner of a major league baseball team. And so he released a statement. He and the Giants released a statement that he is taking a leave of absence from the team. And there's going to be like a, like a committee of executives who run the team in his absence. Who knows really what any of that means, whether he's not going to be involved at all, whether he's just going to be texting everyone about what to do, how long it's going to go for. We have a lot of questions very few answers, um, but we uh, we felt like we needed to address this, especially given the the ways that we've talked about this before. This is similar to these situations, but it's also very different because we see it unfolding in front of our very eyes. Bobby, do you have uh, any faith in Major League Baseball that they will handle this? with the uh, tact and the poise that it deserves? <laughs> That's a leading question, sir. Um, <laughs> no, not in Major League Baseball. I think like kind of Rob Manfred's literal job is to like protect baseball executives. <laughs> so probably not. But I, that doesn't mean that like the Giants won't part ways with him. I think that like this leave of absence should become permanent. But no, no, I don't really have very much faith that everyone is going to do the right thing here because, you know, we're still seeing Cubs fans and the Cubs ownership 
Theo Epstein types going ahead and giving Addison Russell a chance. Um, I I think the difference, it'd be interesting to see how a team handles this situation with like someone who's in theory, like replaceable or if not replaceable, like at least, I don't know. It's obviously different when we're talking about executive versus player. And I think it will ultimately prove to be different in the sense that he will probably not be an executive anymore. But I don't know because you still have Gabe Kapler as the manager of the Phillies. We still don't know what's going on with Jerry Depoto and the rest of the Mariners front office after they were accused of of racism in firing a former trainer. I don't really know because largely because I don't know what MLB's policy is. Like I understand that they have a domestic violence policy, right? They have like a they have like a code of conduct or whatever. And this is much talked about in the NFL. It's been talked about recently in the MLB with all of these like domestic violence cases that we've discussed. And obviously the MLB has a very punitive system when it comes to performance enhancing drugs. But as you tweeted today, like the suspension for PEDs is like is 80 games frequently. And the suspension for domestic violence is like 15 sometimes, sometimes 35, sometimes 40, you know, like, yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing is like, we have no idea how they're doing these things. They're like throwing darts at numbers and just kind of pulling these things out of thin air and being like, you get 30, you get 15, you get more because there was enough evidence to prove that you abused your significant other enough for us to spend. I mean, it's like, it's very, very sticky how all of this is decided. It's also like with when you're doing it with an executive, not you can't really like suspend him for an amount of games, right? Because that's not really like how executives work. They're not like, well, we have a game tomorrow, so I better go like check the finances from nine to five. Like th- that's not really how their job. So so you'd have to like suspend him first. His leave of absence would have to be enforced for like a certain amount of time, maybe like a year. And now you're getting into the territory of like your extrajudicial you're just like your own legal process, which I think MLB is like sort of bumping up on. And I don't think that they want to be there. I don't think that we trust them to be there. I don't think that they've given us any reason to trust them to do the right thing or suspend someone for the right amount of time or make the right decision about bringing a person back. So like, I don't know. I I really don't have the answer to any of these questions. Like, I think that Larry Bear should not be the CEO of the Giants anymore. And I think that that decision should be made pretty swiftly. And because there is like a million other like Harvard dudes who can do that job or, or just like not even a million other Harvard dudes, like try to actually open up the candidate pool and start making steps towards having a more diverse staff that sort of like understands these issues better. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Well, you're, your point about like the internal versus external punishments interesting because like obviously MLB can levy their punishment and I'm sure they could force I mean no nah, I don't I don't, even, I don't even think that they could necessarily force Larry Bear to like sell his stake or anything like that like that's a that's a shareholders thing right they could they could give him a slap on the wrist but ultimately if there's going to be any sort of like long term punishment it's going to come from the organization and you know i think about this like if it was a minor league player who this video had come out about the team would have cut ties with them already like i there was yeah. a, there was a video of an astros player last year the year before um it was a relatively sim- similar situation with the tensions escalated certainly like i'm not going to say that 
that this this could have been much worse, clearly. But the Astros were like, no nonsense, you're gone. We don't want the distraction. We don't need this. Like you and it was, you know, it was ultimately a PR thing because they felt like we have too much to lose from from this. But even still, maybe they felt it, like we got to build up some goodwill so we can sign or trade for Roberto or Suna. Yeah, exactly. Right. But one would think that, like, <laughs> even take away like the moral aspect of it because baseball owners, owner, ownership has no morals anyway, right? Like, you would think that this is yes. the the smart thing to do in this situation is to be like, look, like we can't associate with you. Um, and then you remember the story that we talked about earlier this year regarding the largest uh, Giants stakeholder who donated to the infamous Cindy Hyde Smith and uh, mm-hmm. and was real staunch in his support and, you know, denounced her comments, but was like, yeah, I'm not selling my stake in the team. <laughs> like, y'all are ridiculous. So uh, it's it's an ownership group that has certainly seen better days. I say that we just send them all off on a boat to nowhere. Um, (laughs) If we want, we can just throw the rest of the owners in Major League Baseball on there too because uh, they're all probably pretty bad and we'll send them off to their own little island where they can do their own thing and we will nationalize the baseball teams and (laughs) (laughs) hopefully start to eradicate some of these awful issues. Yeah. Um, My point about like the... In internal versus external, like justice of this all, is not that I don't. It's not that I think it's not MLB's place to punish Larry Bear. I think my point is just that MLB is fumbling over its own, or MLB is like sort of tripping over its own feet when it comes to all of this. I think there probably does need to be some kind of policy in place for the next however long until we get to a point where these teams are capable of making these decisions themselves because clearly we're not at that point yet right clearly these teams are not thinking about well is this the right thing to keep this guy around is this guy abusive is this guy harmful clearly teams are thinking more like well how is this effect on our bottom line like is he a good ceo like how much can we withstand from a PR perspective? Like, yeah, like how much value do you bring us versus like how much is this going to hurt us? Because you're on TMZ, exactly. MLB is a bad extrajudicial system as it currently right. stands. I don't know the answer to how they become a passable extrajudicial system, which is like that's an oxymoron because that's not really a good thing either way. Like, I don't think MLB should be punitive and handing out these things to begin with. But until we get to that point where like the Cubs can say we're cutting ties with Addison Russell because we know that that's the right decision. And I don't know, I don't know what we do until the, until then. Like, I don't know who says Larry bear go away because it's not like it's the giants majority stakeholder because like there, he's probably friends with Larry bear. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know the answer either. I mean, the, I mean, is the answer to like put it to a vote like organization wide? Like that's probably the, the most democratic answer. Right. Like all of the workers who should, in theory, have a stake in this should have some equity in this. The players, maybe even some fans who should probably be involved in owning a team and making these decisions because it's their team just as much as these other fucking Jamokes. billionaires and stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But like, we're not at that point, nor are we close, nor can we even be at that point 
underlaid capitalism. Like this is a much bigger conversation, right? Yeah. But yeah, until we get to that point, it's just going to be whatever Rob Manfred wakes up feeling like that day. And honestly, I don't think that Rob Manfred is a good person for that, which is why we should have CC Sabathia or Curtis Granderson in that position instead. Yeah, it's it's not getting any better. And I'm not um, hopeful that it, it will any time soon. And when I started that sentence, I I wanted to come out with like a like a but, you know, like a way to kind of swing it back into a more hopeful note. But I don't have one. So I'm just gonna kind of continue talking until <laughs> you cut me off and say that we're going to uh to go to another break because things are things are sometimes good, but they are uh they're mostly bad. This feels like a good a point as any to end it. All right, I will give you that mercy. And we are going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do a Mets grab bag. We came across an, another news story from this past week is that Jessica Mendoza, who is like by far the best part of the Sunday Night Baseball booth, um, is going to be hired as an analyst, like a front office analyst. I don't really know exactly what her position is going to be. I don't even think the Mets know exactly what her position is going to be. I guess I just spoiled it right there. She's hired by the Mets. <laughs> um, it's late. She's hired by the Mets to just kind of do like player development, player scouting, like that kind of thing. Just kind of be a Yeah, like like one of those like 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 quote unquote like front office advisors, right? Where like you might be like at the winter meetings or like just kind of consult on things, but not be involved in like day-to-day stuff, right? Exactly. Um so she so the the Mets are hiring her to do that and she's going to remain as a Sunday night baseball analyst, which ostensibly is like a journalism job but like not really because being in the booth is not exactly like being a a journalist it's not like they're hiring like keith law to do this or or like jeff passan or whatever um but it raises some interesting questions so i just wanted to get your thoughts kind of like drive-by thoughts in these last five minutes of the podcast right here um i have really only two thoughts on this the first is that yeah, this is a conflict of interest because like it is ostensibly a journalism job, right? Like your goal is to provide the viewer with um a somewhat unbiased perspective of the things going on in the field and especially when it comes to talking about the Mets, like there's really no way you're going to be able to offer like an unbiased perspective on that. Mm-hmm. Uh on the other hand, my second thought on that is that this is far from the first time we have seen something like this. A-Rod is an advisor to the Yankees. David Ross, who's also, who does, uh, who commentates for ESPN, uh, is an advisor to the Cubs. Um, The Boy, is he. Yeah, He does commentate for ESPN, doesn't he? That he does. He's everywhere. He certainly says some things that (laughs) some people think might be true, but I don't. (laughs) Um, he's bad (laughs) yeah he's not great Uh, to take that a step further in some regard local broadcasters for almost every team are in one way or another 
Played by the team. Employed with the team. Like, employed. Yeah. So, these lines have always been really fuzzy at best. And that's that's not to say that I think we should ignore these things and not have these conversations. But I think it's kind of funny that, like, we didn't really give a shit for the last 50 years. And then Jessica Mendoza did it. And we were like, huh, this is funky. Um, she's oh, an inc- a lot of it is really bad natured. She's a, she's an incredibly smart and talented person, and absolutely deserves to be in the front office um, or be on Sunday Night Baseball or do uh, whatever she wants to do. Um, there's definitely some conflict of interest things going on here, but also like I don't tune into these broadcasts for like the most objective of analyses. Anyway, frankly, like. I'm not going to Gary, Keith, and Ron expecting that, like, they're not going to cape for the Mets. Like, you know yeah. that they're fans of the Mets, and, like, that's what you sign up for, and it's fun. Keith literally so, played for the Mets, and Ron yeah. literally played for the Mets. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, like, whatever. Ben Lindbergh had a really interesting point on the Ringer MLB show. Just talk. I think it was Ben. Maybe it was Zach. Just talking about, like, I feel like you'd be more concerned if you're the Mets, right? Like, wouldn't you be more concerned that she accidentally says, like, a like information that you didn't want to be public, like on a broadcast yeah. between the the Phillies and the Nationals or something. Yeah. Like, oh, like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't, uh, maybe I wouldn't sign this guy if I yeah. were the Phillies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That, that, that was an interesting point that I hadn't even really considered because I'm think I was thinking about things from the hashtag hard hitting journalism aspect. Of course. Um, because that's what we are here at Tipping Pitches, hard hitting journalists. Yeah, um, the yeah. podcast so, where we said, like earlier in the episode, we're facts adjacent. Yeah, we are facts adjacent, yeah. but hard hitting fact adjacent. Let's just keep adding qualifiers to that. All right, sounds um, good. All right, let's 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 move on. Um, in other Mets grab bag news, the Brandon Nimmo chicken saga. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, before we started, let's take listeners behind the curtain. Before we started recording, you and I were talking about what we were. We were discussing. We were having a, we were having what we call in the business a pre-production meeting, <laughs> and we were talking about what we wanted to talk about on the pod today. And then I was like, "Oh, the only other thing I had written down was uh, was the whole. I mean, we don't even need to talk about it. It's fine. The whole Brandon Nimmo chicken saga." And you replied by being like, "I also had that written down." <laughs> and I was like, "We could probably get five minutes out of that." <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who don't know. Brandon Nimmo left Mets spring training, or I don't know, maybe he stayed down there, but he he was inactive at Mets spring training because he got sick, and the Mets said that they believed that it was because of undercooked chicken that Brandon Nimmo had prepared himself, which was a funny hashtag Metsy story, and it became more Metsy when Brandon Nimmo's wife or fiance, I don't know if they're actually married. I think it's his wife. Had tweeted out that he had been so excited that he had cooked himself this chicken. He was like, I feel like I did a really good job. Like he had sent a photo to his wife, Chelsea, and just being like, Look at what I made. And when I saw that, I was like, This is the most heartbreaking news I've ever heard in my life. That he was like, Look, Ma, I finally made some chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and it made him sick. And so we were we all wept for him. And then, I think it was like one or two days later, it came out that it wasn't even from food. It wasn't even food poisoning. It was viral, which you can't get from food. 
So all of this was for naught. All of it was poor PR spin, which just gets back to how the Mets just get owned on Twitter all the time, even when it's something as innocuous as undercooked chicken. Alex, take me through your thoughts on the Mets chicken saga. I guess my biggest question as a foodie now, yourself. <laughs> as a foodie myself. My biggest question is like, so did he still undercook chicken? Like, <laughs> but yeah, like how did they fall? Like, we never really resolved this whole thing about like how he doesn't know how to cook chicken. Like, okay, he didn't get himself sick over it, but like, why was, was that the, the first thing they thought was the culprit? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, like Mickey Calloway said, I guess he cooked some chicken and didn't know how to cook or something. <laughs> like, wow, well, that was probably your first mistake, was not knowing how to cook. How did they determine that it was the chicken? Was Brendan Nimmo like, now that I think about it, the chicken was raw? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you know, I had some trepidation, and now that I'm puking my brains out, like, I definitely, it was blue still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I I kind of was wondering why it was like really like mushy and pink in my fingers, uh. but like I thought that that was just like, you know, it was like a steak, like that meant it was medium rare. <laughs> steak. Okay. All right, from one god-fearing met to another god-fearing met. Alex, we have to finish as we usually do on the Tim Tebow Power Hour. This Tim Tebow Power Hour is going to be more like a Tim Tebow Power Minute. It's not very much news. In the past, we we brought Alex actually brought the news that Tim Tebow was like executive producing or writing or whatever a movie called Run the Race about two athletes in Florida or something like that. Um, him and his brother were working on this movie. Um, that movie is out. We've failed to update the people because it's been out since February twenty second. <laughs> um. As we were doing, as we were kind of like Googling around before the pod started, I found out that it's like actually playing in theaters. So this is like a quasi real movie happening here. (laughs) It's playing at the TCL Chinese Theater, which is like (laughs) the most famous theater in Hollywood. Not like not the best theater in Hollywood, but just like the most touristy theater in Hollywood. It's also playing in Glendale and Burbank. And it's also playing at the Times Square AMC. So I feel like maybe you and I should pick a city meet up there and go see run the race. (laughs) (laughs) And we highly encourage anyone who this is our, uh, this is our sponsored segment. (laughs) Yeah. This is our sponsored segment. And the, the moment in the podcast where we shout out anyone who's still listening at this point. Uh, if you are, if you are still listening, uh, Come see the movie with us. That would be awesome. We can have our first Tipping Pitches meetup, and it will be to go see Tim Tebow's executive-produced movie. That's uh, probably the most on-brand thing that we could do. Definitely going to be bad. The only yeah. thing more on-brand than we could than than this is if Tim Tebow is doing like a book signing, and we actually had a Tipping Pitches meetup at the book signing. Yeah, that's arguably feasible. Now I mean, that yeah. I start to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Arguably well. feasible. Now that I start to think about it, is like the the one line description of how I feel about making every episode of this podcast. That was like our rationale for even doing this podcast in the first place. Want to do a baseball podcast? Yeah, that's arguably feasible. feasible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you want to end a baseball podcast now, Alex? I, I think please that's arguably set, please feasible. set me free. I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> Something else. You really love.
it is now two minutes away from being 1am for Alex Baisley so we are going to wrap this up uh, thank you as always for listening send any questions comments concerns tipping underscore pitches DM us tippingpitchespod at gmail.com yeah let us let us know how you rewatch baseball games if you do actually I actually really am curious to any of our listeners your takes on this because we are but two humble men who have no idea what to do with our spare time so so what do you do except rewatch 2003 A's games <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> go rate us on iTunes we got one more rating on iTunes and it was just it was a really exciting moment for us so yeah thanks for that and um, we'll be back next week thanks y'all I'm Alex Baisley. Uh, br- uh, it's <laughs> bubble the words. <laughs>